when you're stuck in bed for years, all you want is to stand outside and look at the trees. Like, and that sounds so simple and it is so simple, but it's also so powerful to stand outside and actually be like, oh my God, I can stand and I don't feel like I'm gonna faint. Hi there, I'm Kelly Tennant. Welcome to Ceremony Wellness, where we integrate modern healing and ancient wisdom. Learn from the most impactful voices in health, wellness, and spiritual development as we guide you through the latest healing remedies and alternatives to the traditional path. I'm here to support you as you break limiting patterns, embrace your wild, and let go of the noise. It's time for us to rise together. Sometimes I have an opportunity to meet women that are such incredible game changers who bring a different perspective and a raw honesty and truth that is refreshing and incredibly eye-opening. And today's guest is someone I found on Instagram, of course, and funny enough, was able to connect with when she came out here for my event, Ceremony Wellness Live, two weeks ago. And we had never met. We had never even talked on the phone or anything like that. We had just been Instagram friends. And I loved what she was sharing about her life and the way she was utilizing her platform to help other people and on her healing journey, not focusing just on herself, but clearly trying to make changes and bring awareness to Lyme disease. Ina Dale is such an incredible woman and has struggled with Lyme disease for much of her life. As we'll discuss in this episode, she's not sure when she first got it, but it is something that she has struggled with and worked so hard to overcome for most of her life. And we really get into the depths of what it means to live with Lyme disease and how it can truly take over. And the idea of just wanting to die and crawl into a hole and wake up when it's over and what this illness does to your body, to your social life, to your family, to your personal experience, being misunderstood, the life of treatment and all of the doctors and places she's been to try and heal. And we get very deep into the mind-body connection and we talk a lot about this idea of you can eat anything to heal. You can do the broccoli. You can be a vegan. You can do paleo. You can take all the supplements. We can do all of that. But until we address the emotional trauma and triggers that really are the catalyst for our pain and inflammation, we can't heal. And that's where she is now is diving deep into this spiritual and emotional growth in order to really heal her body, I, I can't tell you how much I commend her and honor her and respect the shit out of her. She is, she is in this for herself, but also all of us and showing us what's possible. You can find her on Instagram at naturally Ina, I-N-A, and she has an incredible skincare line. I have tried almost the entire line. She's been so kind and generous in sharing that with me, and I absolutely love it. And I really believe you guys should check it out. It's an incredible non-toxic company 
founded because of her struggles with chronic illness and knowing that she really cares about what she's putting in her body and on her skin. And it's just really, really quality product. And I can't recommend it enough. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode with Ina and please don't forget to shoot her a message, tell her how much you love this and appreciate the work that she is doing because it is big work and she is a tireless warrior when it comes to chronic illness. As we discuss how to truly heal in this episode, I want to take a second to talk about one of my favorite non-toxic companies, Fleur. They have changed the standard of fragrance and candles and body products that I really, really respect. I love the way they are going about changing the products that we use and put on our skin because they understand how toxic chemicals can impact our endocrine system. And as Ina and I are talking about, it's so important to know what you're eating and what you're putting on your body because that can affect chronic illness in such a big way. If you guys have not cleaned up your products, I cannot recommend this enough. It changes your hormones. It changes the inflammation, the brain fog, the fatigue. These things really matter. Eat the good food, do the good things, take care of yourself, but look at what you're putting on your body every single day. It adds up and it creates such a toxic load on your body. Fleur has the most incredible line of fragrances. My personal favorite, of course, is Sandara. You've heard me talk about it before. And I love their body wash line as well. And their candles are all over our house. I can't recommend them enough. If you guys go to kellytenant.com slash shop, use the code KellyT when you're checking out at Fleur for a huge discount. I'm so grateful to work with such a beautiful company that really understands the holistic approach and how they can impact us in such a big way by using quality top of the line products. I think one of the um, craziest things about the chronic illness space and community is that it can be so different for so many people and something that you and I resonate with, we haven't really talked much about, but one of the things that you posted that I have resonated with is the idea of not looking sick and feeling misunderstood. So being incredibly ill on the inside and feeling like you want to die and fall apart, but externally like if I looked at you right now, I'd be like, oh my God, what a healthy woman. And she's, you know, in perfect health and she looks great and has to- so much energy. And I, of course, know that's not necessarily true and that you get tired more easily and there's fatigue and traveling is very difficult and you have to eat specific food and you digestive issues and inflammation and all these things. And I think that's where we feel so isolated and so alone because someone will look at you and think something and then you're like, yeah, but I want to die. And they don't understand that. How have you navigated that? Um, I think that it's a good question. And I've gotten it a lot of times, actually. Um, My perspective, I think, is unique in the sense that I choose to not focus on, like, the frustrating part. Mm -hmm. And, yes, at the beginning, it was frustrating. I'd get, like, my uncles and everyone, but just specifically one experience with my uncle who saw me and was like, Oh my God, no, but you look amazing. And I was like, deal. No, I really feel like crap. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm dying. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, but you look amazing. Look, you're so skinny. You look great, yeah. blah, blah. And I was like, you're okay. like, what are you doing? You're like, um, 
well (laughs) slowly yeah um but i in that moment in my head was like there's only so much that i can do to explain to him he's not going to really get it so Mm -hmm. it's okay i can either choose to be offended Mm -hmm. by this and hurt and frustrated or i can choose to just be like there's only so much that he can comprehend this is a moment for me to either educate him if i have the energy Mm -hmm. or just move on with my day Mm -hmm. and i was just talking about this at your event actually um there was an experience that i had like very early within the first year of being diagnosed and so this was like when i was still kind of frustrated with people not understanding that I'm actually sick and just looking at me and be like, Oh, you look great. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was at a conference in Orlando and I was in a hotel and I felt like absolute shit, like horrible. And I had pushed myself so hard to get there. Cause I was like, I got to do all the things. Mm -hmm. And I got into the elevator and this little girl, this mom and a little girl come into the elevator and there's one other guy in the elevator and the mom, her shoulders are like up here. She, you can tell she's visibly like, worried and her daughter comes in and her daughter had some sort of disorder disease something where her skin was completely raw Mm. everywhere Mm. like raw like if you had peeled off a layer like a big layer of skin I don't know whatever and I saw her and I could just feel that her mom was worried that someone was gonna say something or judge and I couldn't even speak. I was so nauseous and dizzy that I just kind of stood there, smiled, and that's it. But this man in the elevator, I've never witnessed something so like genuinely beautiful and kind. And he immediately didn't even didn't even acknowledge any of that. He was just like, oh my gosh, he saw that she was wearing a Disney pin. And he was like, oh my gosh, did you have breakfast with the, with the characters this morning? And her face lit up. The oh. mom's shoulders dropped. Mm. Like... I got chills. I was like holding back from crying because he saw her Mm. and not what she was experiencing on the outside. And I ran so fast out of that elevator when it opened and I ran to my room and I literally fell on the floor sobbing. And I just started saying thank you. And I was like, I get to walk and pretend like this isn't a part of me whenever I feel like it. Mm -hmm. I get to walk outside and even if I feel like crap, show up to an event and be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got all this. And no one has to like ask me questions. If I feel like talking about it, I can. So I think when you shift that perspective and you're like, no, yeah, it sucks to not be understood. And I want to change the narrative around that because I think it's important. Um, But also we can take the perspective for lack of a better another word um of just being grateful Mm -hmm. you know like I'm grateful that I don't always look sick you know but do you ever feel like you're almost living a double life yeah Yeah. absolutely (laughs) Absolutely. but in in more things than just illness you know like Like, what I mean I feel like maybe it's a Libra thing or just a me (laughs) thing but I feel like I'm a chameleon and I can hang out with Mm. so many different groups of people and I can morph into and it's not that I'm changing myself it's just I have different facets of myself Mm -hmm. that this person is never going to understand so I'm not going to show that person that but that person is you know what I mean Um, conversations that I would have maybe with you maybe like off the record I you and I could talk I we have to talk yeah because I feel like you and I relate on a lot of things Mm -hmm. um but like I can't have those conversations with my mom right. or like my cousin or whoever it is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How have you found support in this experience from people that don't have chronic illness but want to show up for you? 
by being vulnerable and talking out loud and letting them in. And that's been a process and it's really hard. And, um, I, I do have amazing people in my life, but I will say that it has not been easy and I still feel misunderstood, like even in my own home and they are the ones that see me at my sickest. So it's, I feel like it's a, a roller coaster of constantly trying to get people to understand that even though you see me improving, I'm still very sick that I'm still pushing through a lot. I'm still have limitations and I can't live up to everything that you're expecting me to do because as I'm healing, I may have healed 1%. That 1%, I'm not going to wait. Like I don't want to use it cleaning or doing yeah. something. Like, I want to use it building my business or going outside and smelling flowers or whatever the fuck I want to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I think that people who have experienced illness at that level understand but people who haven't are like no you have energy do the dishes clean the floors whatever it is like run this errand or do life things right and when you're stuck in bed for most of the time for years all you want is to stand outside mm-hmm. and look at the trees like and that sounds so simple and it is so simple, but it's also so powerful to stand outside and actually be like, oh my God, I can stand. And I don't feel like I'm going to faint. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, I do know what you mean. So let's go back to what you've been dealing with and when you were diagnosed with Lyme and what that experience has been like. I have, okay, so I've basically lived with this my whole life. We don't really know when I got it. So we assume we can trace it back to either three years old, nine years old, or 12. Okay. Those are the three. I was going with three or 12, and then a card reader told me nine the other day. And I was like, wait a minute. I was actually really sick that year, so it could have been. Interesting. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wasn't diagnosed until 2014, and I'm 31. So I can't even remember the age, but Mm -hmm. 25-ish. What did you think was going on that whole time? Well, doctors were telling my mom that I was looking for attention, that I was trying to get out of school from when I was seven years old. Um, Very cool. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Great job. At seven years old, I had shingles and no one knew that it was shingles. And I was really sick and I was in pain and it's so uncomfortable. That thing is miserable to have. Um, And my mom kept taking me to doctors and the doctors kept telling her like, well, they put me on a bland diet. They were like, oh, it's her diet. I lost seven pounds in a week and I was like a skinny little Yeah, kid. you're a tiny person. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Everyone always sees me in person. They're like, you're so much smaller than I thought. I'm like, thanks. I think. <laughs> I think I'm like, angles. Yeah, photos. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm very little. But then sometimes when I'm around little, like shorter people, I'm like, I feel like a giant. Yeah. <laughs> um, lost my... So you had shingles. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. my mom like basically was taking me to all these doctors and they kept telling her, like after the bland diet, I still wasn't doing well. And they said, look, she's fine. She's trying to get out of school. She's looking for attention. And my mom, I mean, I don't blame her. Like she did the best she could mm-hmm. and she was trusting these doctors. And she was like, okay, well, they're, they're the professionals. And so she made me go to school and she was like, you're fine. And so one day, maybe like, 
a few days later, I was so, I was in so much pain that I said, I can't go to school. And my mom was like, well, if you don't go to school today, you can't go to so-and-so's birthday party this weekend. And I was like, okay. Mm. And that's when she was like, oh. wait a minute. Like, you're not, you don't want to have fun. Like, it's not just school. Mm. And so weirdly enough, someone, um, my mom used to have someone come do our like dry cleaning, pick it up and take it. Oh yeah. And I was in the shower and my mom pulls me out of the shower for this woman to look at my back because I had like the the shingles rash. Yeah. Um, but it's like skin bumps. It's not red. Mm-hmm. And she looked at it and she was like, oh, eso es culebría in Spanish. And my mom, my mom was born in Venezuela, but for some reason she understood culebra, which means snake. So she was like, she has a snake in her, freaking out. And the lady didn't know how to translate. So oh, whatever. I go to an endocrinologist, get an endoscopy. They figure out that it's shingles. This was a month in. And they put me on medicine. My body started to violently reject the medicine. So the doctors said, look, she's been fighting this off for a month now. Just let her keep going. Like her body can do it. Oh my God. So I just fought it off. But that was something that is still a trauma in my head of like, am I just making this all up? Like, but no, I've had to like have some grace with myself like you can't just make all this up you Mm. can't make up a seizure you can't make up tremors or like right now my whole body is shaking internally you can't that's not no it's not a figment of my my imagination right um and then throughout i lived a pretty like normal childhood i was just always exhausted and my family used to make fun of me all the time and say like that i like always slept and yeah you're like yeah i did yeah (laughs) i was always asleep and um I had really bad anxiety and like horrible stress. Though I'm perfectionist since I was a baby. Not anymore though. Recovering. Working on it. Exactly. Recovering. (laughs) Recovering. Exactly. Um, And when I was going into high school, it's well in in middle school they told me I had Alice in Wonderland syndrome, which is macropsia. It's like basically I would see spots everywhere and things would appear smaller or larger. That's why I called it, they called it Alice in Wonderland oh, syndrome. Interesting. It's like, I would see you just like kind of get really small or like really large. And that would happen from eating oranges or what? chocolate or tomatoes. Like so weird. And I would faint. It was re- around the same time, seven, eight years old. So weird. Um, and then I entering high school, I just had like, horrible anxiety, depression, back pain. Uh, but I still, I was a cheerleader, but not a good cheerleader. <laughs> I was not very active because I just didn't have the energy levels. Yeah. Like I couldn't do it. I physically could not do it. Um, I dealt with like certain things throughout high school and then, and then eating disorders, which I now recognize that was Lyme the whole time. Mm. Um, because it never even felt like that. It felt like something else was controlling like my vision of myself, if mm. that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward to college, I was still always sick, uh, in and out of hospitals with like swelling in my stomach, horrible, everyone, like no one could figure out what it was. It was exhausting. I moved out here to LA and I was still always sick. So I started seeing specialists and they told me my ov- my ovaries were depressed, and that's why I was sick. Fuck off. A pelvic pain, spe- world-renowned pelvic pain specialist that I waited eight months to see told me that my ovaries were depressed, and that's why I was having so much pain. And, like, insane swelling. I looked pregnant, and it was like a ball in that area. I, I When she told me that, I literally looked at her, and I was like... And she was the second person who told me that. 
the first person was a gyno in Miami who told me that because I had TMI. I was bleeding for 11 weeks. Oh, Jesus. Weeks, not days, weeks. And I kept calling and they're like, oh, it's normal. It's normal. I'm like, this is not normal. I should take stock and tampons. Like, what the fuck? And I finally made an appointment with another gyno. And when I went, it had ended. And so he was like, I can't really tell you anything, but I think it's your ovaries are depressed. And I looked at him like, what? You're fucking crazy. That is not the core issue. They may be, but that's not what's making me fucking sick. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my God. And I was like, I've experienced depression before. This is not how depression manifests in my body. I'm not like, no, this is not what's going on. Like there's so many other pieces to this puzzle and you're, you're what? So when she told me that and she said, you just need to see a physical therapist and an actual like psychologist. What are you going to do? Stretches for your ovaries? What does that even mean? I don't even uh, what am I going to talk have a therapist talk to my yeah. ovaries like oh what my God. and so I just at that point was like I give up I'm not talking to anyone mm. and so I kind of like stopped seeing doctors my ex was like you need to figure out what's wrong with you and I then started seeing more and more and and it got to a point where I couldn't um just ignore it mm-hmm. like I had been managing it and it was fine but then it got to the point where it started developing into arthritis and like my literally my legs would give out while I was at work and I would fall into my chair. Thankfully, I was in front of my chair, so I would fall into the chair and I was like, this isn't normal. And so I um, realized that one of the medicines I was taking, the side effects were uh, arthritis and lupus like symptoms. And so I called my doctor and he's I actually love him. He's a GI here in L.A. and he helped me a lot like this pill that I was on actually helped my stomach issues a lot, Mm. but I had to get off of it. Right now. Um, and he was like, Oh, don't worry. That's like, you just, (laughs) um, did it spill? No, but it's rolling. It's me (laughs) kicking the water bottle on the wood floor and then it just keeps on rolling. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, don't worry. Um, so he was like, just let's wean you off of it. You can't just cold Turkey, get off of it. Let's wean you off of it. You'll be fine. The symptoms will disappear eventually, like within a week or two. Well, they never went away and they kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so I made an appointment with a RA here in LA. That guy was like the first day that I saw him, he was like not taking me seriously. And then the next day I saw him, I fainted in his office and he was like, you need to get on steroids. You need to get on this. You need to get on that. And I said, I'm not taking steroids. Something in my gut was like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not. It's not sitting well with my brain, my gut, yeah. my body, anything. My mom flew in and she started crying the second I picked her up at the airport. She was like, you're green. Oh, Jesus. And she tells me today, like, I saw you and you were dying. I had never seen you that sick ever. And she just the whole trip was crying. I like, I couldn't cry. I mean, I was, can you imagine how fucking scary that is for a parent? No. And I think about that <sighs> a lot. Like, how like desperate of a feeling it must be to have your child be so sick and not be able to do anything Mm -hmm. like you're doing everything and nothing is working Mm -hmm. and so we saw many other doctors and eventually um got led to a he's i think he's an endocrinologist dr whiteman and holtorf medical group here in like um my gosh i can't remember where but it's 45 minutes from here And he thought I had chronic fatigue syndrome, whatever. He was giving me IVs. I wasn't getting better. So he said, you know what? I think, I think you have Lyme. Like I need to test you, but it's expensive. Are you down to pay out of pocket for the test? 
I was like, yeah, let's do this. Um, that test was the Igenix test mm-hmm. that takes like with like 10 to 12 weeks or something. So by the time that I got the results, I was already moved home because I couldn't open a door handle. Oh my gosh. I couldn't brush my own teeth. My range of motion of my hands was like literally, I couldn't make a fist or open it uh, from the amount of inflammation and pain everywhere. Mm. And it was, I was on 90 pills a day. Oh my God. Including herbals and whatever, yeah. but 90 pills, 30 yeah. for breakfast, 30 for lunch and 30 for dinner. And like I had two baskets full of pills that I had, that I had to take each one. It was ridiculous. And when I moved home, I got the call and he told me, yeah, you tested positive for Lyme. It came out like in the 10th week or something. So I think it's chronic. It's, mm. it's like, you've had this. Sorry. Um, he was like, I can keep helping you with antibiotics, but I can't help you with the IVs because you're in Miami. Um, and he couldn't send the recipe or anything because it was trade secret. Oh. I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Just help me, please. Yeah. And these barriers to entry for healing, I just cannot get on board with. Yeah. No, it's it's ridiculous. So I finally got that answer. And I mean, you may be able to relate to this. Like, I felt so relieved. Yeah. So, like, scared, but like, at least there's an answer. Finally, I have an answer. And I was like, I'm going to beat this thing. I'm going to be cured in three months, like max (laughs) one month, probably. I was like, I'm, I got this fast forward five years later. (laughs) You're way better though. (laughs) And you still got this. I still got this. But it's just much different than what we expect it's going to be. And I've learned, um, I've learned via connecting with people and just kind of like being in my own body and Mm -hmm. self-reflecting obsessively Mm -hmm. that there is many layers or many, um, what's it called? Like, you know how there's steps for grief and mm-hmm. stuff. I feel like there's many steps in this process mm-hmm. of Lyme, of yeah. Lyme disease. Like let's call it healing, but Lyme, mm-hmm. right? So there's, there's like acceptance, there's denial, there's anger, there's frustration. And it's, and you may feel those 3 million times, but it comes kind of like in a wave mm-hmm. or a roller coaster of emotions and so you feel hopeful one second and then you're like oh my god my life is ending yeah you know um but i've realized that it's interesting when you meet people who are just newly diagnosed and they're in a stage where you were two years ago and you're like okay it's yeah. gonna be better for you i yeah. promise yeah you know mm-hmm. like it's gonna get a lot worse but i promise you it's gonna get better and maybe it'll get worse again but it's gonna keep getting better each totally. time what has been the most effective part of your treatment that's made the biggest difference? Energy healing, for sure. There we go. Yeah, I abs- absolutely, a million percent, and you and I haven't even talked about this. Um, I have a port in my chest. I've got an IVs that I accredit a lot to. Uh, I only do natural things, um, and I love my doctor, love him, and also want to talk to your doctor because he yes, Doctor Incredible, next level, love him. <laughs> um, I feel like my doctor was put in my. He literally was put in my path. He's in Bend, Oregon. His name is Dr. Flattery. Mm. And listen to this crazy shit. A little tangent. I'm in Miami, mm-hmm. right? I'm desperately looking for a doctor. Like I was like, mom, it's been, I think it was two years of just like horrible. My doctor, my naturopath was in Georgia. I would fly out every six to eight weeks. <clears throat> and I got to a point where I was like, I need to take more intense measures i need a port i need to start doing iv therapy i need to like i knew what i needed to do but i needed to find the doctor Mm -hmm. and i was calling doctors in san francisco and there was like six months waits or eight months which is crazy 
and I find this doctor online. Like I've just like was Googling LLNDs, like Lyme literate natural doctors. I find this doctor. I call the office, office. He answers and I'm like, oh, sorry. I think I called the wrong number. He's like, no, 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 no. It's just, there's a horrible snowstorm outside. So I'm short staffed and my patient's not here. So I have about 30 minutes to talk if you'd like to talk. Shut the hell up. And now that I know him, I know like just how crazy that man doesn't have five minutes to breathe. Wow. Like he doesn't stop. And so he sat on the phone with me and talked for 30 minutes about how unjust the prices were everywhere. He was like, I think it's absolutely disgusting what doctors are doing to patients. And they're doing it to patients who can't even work. Like to people who literally can't like make any money and everything's out of pocket. So he was like, I feel very passionate about not like, yeah, I have to charge because I need to yeah. eat. And my family, he has six kids or five kids. I oh can't gosh. even remember. But his wife has Lyme. His daughter, I believe, has Lyme. And his son oh. has Lyme. So he's obsessed. Yeah. And that's that's what you need. Yeah. And he is open to both Western and Eastern. And he kind of like lays out the different options that he's researching. Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, oh, this I've. I've been trying this and this is really good results, but also there's this. So he'll give me like LL, I'm sorry, LDI, LD, LDN, whatever. He'll be like, I really like this, but if you don't want to go that route, we can do these herbals or like if you want to do low antibiotics. The low-dose naltrexone, is that what you're talking yeah. about? I took that shit. It is amazing. Really? Oh my it God, I loved it. Oh. Like it made me sick. Oh, it, it made me sick at first. And then we took down my prescription. Uh, I think we went to half the dose. Okay. And then I slowly built up. Oh my God. With my energy. It was amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. Maybe I should give, I was doing like literally the lowest, like lower than the lowest. I was yeah. doing a fraction of the lowest cause I wanted to kind of start in. Yeah. And what I like about Dr. Flattery is he, um, always like, he'll give me different options. He'll be like, tell me what your body's like, what mm-hmm. you want to do. And we'll figure out a plan. That's beautiful. And he says, go talk to your energy docs. Um, and he's like, I don't even know what he does, but you trust him. Talk to him, see what he says. And then we'll create a plan. What doctor does Yeah, who that? does that? But the craziest part is the first day that I went. So I go for like a month to three months and I stay there for treatment. Not, In Bend, Oregon. Yeah, like I rent a house. Wow. Or the last time I went there, I stayed with a family that I had never met before. Like I met their daughter on Instagram. She has Lyme. But like an angel of a family who mm-hmm. just welcomed me into their house for a month and a half. Wow. Gave me a car to use. Like who are these people? How does... Like you're attracting this. Ask yourself, who are you? That's oh, that's really sweet. Mm-hmm. That's that's beautiful. Mm. Thank you. Um, so the first time I went, I rented a house there, and I get to the appointment right, and it's a, he has like a little tiny IV room. I'm sitting in the IV room, and I post it on Instagram, and I tag the place, and I get a comment. Someone had been following me for like a year or two and she said that she she commented basically saying, I started following you when I first got Lyme and I found your page and I've been so inspired by you and whatever, all this stuff and she beautiful words and at the end she goes, and how crazy is it that I look at your Instagram today and you're at my husband's doctor's office? No, I just got the chills. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What? And she goes, I hope he can help you as much as he's helped me. My doctor's wife had been following me for a year or two. Like, what? In Bend, Oregon. Do you know where that is? Yeah. It's like this small. Yeah. It's tiny. It's the most beautiful place. I love I it. I love it. 
upset. I want to move there. I'm like, going there next month. My girlfriend lives there. I oh should connect you. I think she follows you. Her name's Kristen Hinman. She does all my PR so. and marketing stuff and a lot of my ads. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah, but she's amazing. You'll love her. She has two kids and you oh should, my God. You should hey, stay with yeah. her. Yeah. Oh my God. I actually, I'm looking for... I have to figure out when I'm going and I have to figure out where I'm staying. Like I have, I'm in the process of doing that. Right oh, now. we'll all connect you guys. Thank yeah. You. She's amazing. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. That's, I love that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Obsessed. Yeah. But how crazy is that? That's how crazy so is the nuts. Like the, the overlap and yeah, it's, it's meant to be. And Period. this is a little bit off topic, but on topic, um, that was the beginning of 2017, March specifically. Um, September of 2016 my friend passed away from cystic fibrosis and that was like crushing right um it was really really hard yeah and I had I had been having kind of a good year like I was starting to feel relief and I was just diving into business and whatever but I had been feeling the setback and I had been like scared that I was slipping backwards and then that happened and it was just kind of like all spiraled out of control and I just kept i that's when I started believing in angels a hundred percent. And because there was no denying every single sign that she was sending me and I would ask for very specific things and it would blow my mind every time how they would just show up. I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. No, you're fucking here. Like, okay. Can you not be here in like the private moments? Yeah. <laughs> you can leave now. <laughs> um, so it like freaks me out sometimes, yeah. but I started talking to her and I was like, look, please help me find someone that's going to help me. Mm. Like help me find this doctor, whoever's going to, the treatment, like just help me guide in this direction. And with, I mean, that was September, March. Like I met my doctor in February, March. I was out getting treatment by someone who like, yeah. just no, it blows my mind. When you talk about energy healing, I mean, you know, I'm very passionate about the mind body connection, emotional trauma, things that have happened to us in our lives that really show up as the physical manifestations of disease and illness. Yes. So if you're getting energy work, imagine you believe in that and what that has caused your body to do and revolting against you and talk, trying to talk to you and trying to get things out that are not meant to be there, all these toxins. How have you utilized the energy work to work through those things and get rid of that stuff that has triggered you to be so sick in a lot of ways? Well, that's the interesting part. And I don't know if you've heard of this, but have you ever heard of um, emotion coding or body coding? Um, I don't think so. Okay. So this is going to blow your mind. Okay. And I've actually started to learn how to do it, to be able to do it to myself in a cute cool. moment. So I can try and help you with something today. Maybe it'll work. Maybe yeah. it won't. <laughs> um, but basically what they do is the theory is um, we are comprised of energy, right? Everything has energy. This couch has energy. Sometimes due to past trauma, inherited trauma, virus, bacteria, whatever it is, um, that energy gets stuck in our body and causes symptoms, either pain, depression, anxiety, whatever it is. Uh, what they do is they muscle test, asking yes or no questions to find the root mm. of that, mm -hmm. right? Once they find the root, they clear it energetically, mm. literally by doing this. Yes. Okay. Um, swiping your arm. That's what she just yeah. did. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I forget okay. that it, I know. you I'm can't like, see me. I wish they could see us. <laughs> I know. Oh, so you basically swipe your arm. They have like these metal rollers, mm -hmm. but you can do it with your hand as well. And that is supposed to like release it from your body. Mm -hmm. When you do this a few times, it only takes like three to five sessions for one specific thing. It clears from your body completely. Mm -hmm. 
you can't do that through like through therapy, through self-reflection. Like there's only so deep that you can get because your body kind of still holds onto it. And there's a lot that our subconscious mind holds onto that we're not even cognizant of. Like stuff from when we were kids mm -hmm. that he randomly will be like, your dad experienced death really young. And he, he had to take on a lot of responsibility and he does a lot for everyone. And, but there's someone that passed away that it's like really hard to talk about. He's not a psychic or anything. Like he's muscle testing and this is the answer that he got. My dad died when he was 16, 15. He's one of six. He's a middle child. He worked two or three jobs to support the entire house. Like my grandma didn't work. He literally, his whole life has been providing for so many people. Wait, now, your dad died when he was 16? No, 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 no. Sorry. My dad's dad. Oh, okay. My grandfather. Oh, okay. So my dad stepped up to the plate Got it. and had to do all this stuff. And then he started his own business. And my dad has a beautiful, amazing business that he, most of the employees are family members. Wow. Like he has, so, he's employed his uncles, his aunts, mm. his nephews, his nieces. He's put his sister through college. Like he has helped so, he has a lot of responsibility and my whole life, we had never been able to talk about my grandfather. Every time that I went to go say something about him, I would get so choked up that I couldn't speak. And so we just like, it was very weird. And so when my doctor at this point cleared it from my body, I, that night, my dad and I were sitting down talking and he just started sharing a story of his dad. And we had a whole conversation, like beautiful, story that he shared with me that I was like, I didn't cry. I mean, I felt emotional, but I could get through it. Mm -hmm. And so that block had been released. And I was like, well, this is weird. And ever since then, I get to talk about my grandfather and I don't feel this, like I was carrying the weight of my dad. Yeah. And you don't even realize those little things that you're carrying. And it's a burden on your body. It's a load. Exactly. Yeah. So what they do is I basically at the beginning was seeing them three to four times a week. And now I see them less, like maybe two times a week. Um, sometimes three, it's still a lot. if I need, it's still wow. a lot, but I'm working through not just physical things. Mm -hmm. I'm like trying to be the best person that I can be. Mm -hmm. And that means getting rid of all of the traumas that have affected me and that I don't even know that are affecting my anxiety levels, my depression, mm -hmm. my, or whatever. Like I'll feel randomly sad. I'm like, well, why do I feel sad? Mm -hmm. And we'll work through it. What do you think, um, and share what you want. Um, mm -hmm. but what do you think are some of the biggest, uh, maybe traumas or triggers or blockages that you've had in your life that have led to your body being so sick? That's a good question. Um, there's stuff from when I was little that we don't, he doesn't always tell me what it is mm -hmm. and it's almost better that way. Cause yeah. he's like, it doesn't matter. Right. You don't need to really know. Cause then you kind of like get hung up on thinking about it. Yeah, and it. You create a story and a narrative around exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. But there's even trauma from when I was in my mom's belly mm -hmm. and that was really cool. He said that there was like, like a terrorist attack or something. Um, and I tell my mom and she was like, Oh my God, there was, it was like the first, uh, I think it was like a bombing of like a, a van that parked in a building or something. It was like one of the first ones, like big ones or something in mm. the eighties. And I, she was pregnant with me and my mom like cries for grocery commercials. Like, so she's very easily 
and I mean, so do I, so whatever, no judgment, but just like, she's very sensitive to that. So I know that she let that consume her in that moment. So it Mm. just makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, the thing about my dad was really interesting. A lot of trauma from a past relationship that I was in, which was here in LA that I, I mean, I can point out a lot of good that was in there, but speaking of just the trauma, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of fucking trauma. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I feel comfortable like getting into details publicly, but it was bad. Mm -hmm. Like it was really good, but it was really bad also. Mm -hmm. And I was at my sickest by the end of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Like I was really sick and still not really today as much, but like there has been so many times where they're like, Oh, well this is that person. Like, sorry, this is, I'm yeah. doing something with my fingers mm-hmm. and this is muscle testing. So you go like this. You Have you put, ever seen so you, that? Yeah, that I've had that done with my, okay. my old chiropractor who does energy work. Mm-hmm. So you put your middle finger and your thumb together and you hold it and then they pull it with their other hand and try to pull your fingers apart. And if it's yes. strong, then it means one thing. But if it's weak and they pull it apart, then that's a trigger, right? It's so it, what it is is, okay, so you do it with both your hands. You, exactly what you mm-hmm. said, your thumb and your middle finger. Or you could do your index finger also, mm-hmm. just whatever you feel strongest with, right? And when you pull it, if you have resistance, that's a yes. And if it's a no, wait. Yeah, that's a yes. Mm-hmm. So like you ask yes or no questions and the resistance, like you can't pull it through easily mm-hmm. is a yes. If it goes through super fast, it's a no. Got it. Um, so she'll be like, oh, that this is trauma from that. We'll release that. Mm-hmm. Or even I've even applied it in business stuff. So like just having more confidence in so many different they've helped me with that immensely and I didn't go there for that I didn't even go there believing it my aunt had been trying to convince me to go there for two years wow and I had just been so sick and and also like you understand everyone is telling you to see everyone yes and everyone's like oh my neighbor's grandson's dog had Lyme also you should see it literally someone told me this I believe that (laughs) someone was like you should see their vet they cured the dog I'm like okay like, like rough, rough, like, rough like, first of all, like, okay, maybe, but also like, I don't think my system is the same as a dog yeah. system. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh my God. Whatever. So, um, I, I have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Energy work. I just, I, I think it's interesting and I don't really, I don't feel sick anymore. I, you don't? I'm not, oh my I God, do not feel amazing. sick anymore, which is so amazing. And it's even weird to say out loud. Um, no, I forget. I love that. It feels really good. I did not ever have Lyme. So very different experiences. Um, you didn't? I thought you had Lyme. No. Oh. No. Epstein-Barr. Oh my God. Fatigue. This whole time I've thought you had Lyme. No. Oh. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. So Epstein-Barr, chronic fatigue, SIBO, leaky gut. But I was misdiagnosed with fibromyalgia for 13 years. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's weird for me to just say I'm not sick anymore because it's only been about a year. I, I realized last October, it's been a year, I woke up one day and I was like, I have not felt bad for like a month. And I didn't even notice. I was like, That's I think okay. I'm better. And then the more work I've done, ayahuasca and uh, psilocybin and energy work and somatic therapy, the more layers I've lifted, like you're talking mm-hmm. about in these, you know, um, steps that we go through, uh, in chronic illness, I realize like so much of the emotional work I've done has really allowed me to get to this place of feeling good. I don't get tired easily. I don't have inflammation or joint pain. I don't have brain fog. Um, my leaky gut is gone. I can pretty much eat what I want. 
I'll notice that if I have too much alcohol or coffee or nightshades that the heat in my body will come up, which in Ayurveda is just an overdrive of Pitta. And so I need to cool my body down, but that takes a couple days and then I'm, I'm good. So I have found that balance. And of course it takes a long time to get there, but I think the understanding of what the emotions can do to our bodies is so important because for me, it didn't matter what I ate. If I didn't deal with the trauma of assault or being molested or feeling like I was abandoned or not wanted, it didn't matter what food I put in my mouth. So I love that you're saying it's really been about the energy work for you. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the missing piece of what is happening in chronic illness. And this is why I try and teach on this, even now taking it to the level of sexuality and using that for healing. That's the next missing piece is the emotions, the connection to our body. If we don't do that, the food we eat does not matter. Absolutely. And the medicine you take will not do everything. It will not cure or get rid of everything because you have to address every layer. Mm -hmm. And also you're adding like toxins to your body that you have to clear mm-hmm. and those toxins, you can clear them energetically. Yeah. Like you, yes, an, a sauna, whatever, all these different things are great, but you need, I don't know. I feel so passionate about using emotion coding or body coding mm-hmm. as a tool to help you heal everyone heal mm-hmm. and not just chronic illness, like the chronic illness community, but especially the chronic illness community. Yeah. Um, it's something that I've, I started learning because when I went to Thailand last year, I I knew I was going to be on a flight for, or a travel day for 32 hours. And I was still extremely sick. And I knew that I, I could text my, like, she's not a doctor, but she works with my doctor and she does emotion coding. So she's an emotion code practitioner. Mm. And I knew I could text her and she would help me but who knows if she's even awake. Right. So she started teaching me like, Hey, look, you can do this to help yourself. And she is amazing. I'm a, like, you should meet her a hundred percent. Like please. you would love her. Yeah. Uh, her name's Sabrina obsessed. We've become friends. And so she started teaching me how to do it for myself. And I was actually able to help myself on the plane mm. while I was like shaking and in so much pain. And I was like, maybe this is just, a figment of my imagination. Maybe I didn't really do that. And I kept helping myself through the trip Mm. where I would have like horrible breakdowns and I would literally sit in the bathroom crying and I would just start doing it. And Mm. all of a sudden I would stop crying. I would stand up, walk out and be fine and Mm -hmm. be able to go on with my day. Mm -hmm. The craziest things or experiences have been when I've helped someone else Um, one friend, she has Lyme, met her on Instagram and she's more Western. Um, but she basically got, uh, I think it was like a Botox injection in her neck for pain. Like her doctor Mm -hmm. did that and it had an adverse reaction. Mm -hmm. She couldn't, she literally had to hold her head up. She couldn't move her eyeballs down because it hurt so bad. Yeah. And she was planning her wedding and it was just like super stressful. She asked her doctor what like, what can I do? And her doctor said, well, it's going to take about two to three months for it to clear your system. Either wear a neck brace or hold your head up physically. She couldn't lay down. Like she was, she had to sit up holding her head. So she posted this on Instagram and I texted her and I said, listen, this is going to sound crazy, but 
I've just been learning this. I'm down to try. I don't know if I can do anything, Yeah. but I'm down to try. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt you. And she was like, listen, I am desperate anything. And so I start working on her and I didn't even tell her I was like what I was doing. I just said, tell me three things that bother you and I'll work those things. And so I'm working on it. And when I finish, I message her. I'm like, hey, so how are you feeling? And she's like, you know, I just laid down. Like I haven't laid down in days. She's like, I just put down my notebook. Like her brain couldn't stop racing. She couldn't stop writing and also holding her neck up. It was just crazy. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I just put my notebook down, laid down, and I feel like I could take a nap. Wow. She's like, this is insane. What did you just do? Yeah. And I was like, well, that's crazy. Like it worked. You're like, give me more of that voodoo magic, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And so then I kept doing and I kept helping and I've, I've helped my nieces. Like I've helped kids who can't really, or my dogs, like I, when my dog or my brother's dog who passed away in March, um, when the last week of his life, he couldn't breathe well. There was air leaking from his lungs and, or from his lung, there was a hole in his lung. And he basically had a liter of air floating in his body, pushing against his organs. And I would lay with him on the floor and his, I could visually see his breathing get better. Like I would sit there in tears, like working on him in the middle of the night and he would go from like not being able to breathe to just like, like, just, wow. and it, it wouldn't last forever because it's not a cure. There's a hole in his lungs. Right. But some relief. It helped him have a better quality mm-hmm. in the last. I, I mean, I saw it with my own eyes. I would see him actually physically stand up and walk outside instead of just like not even being able to get up because he was panting so hard. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, I. It sounds crazy, but I love it so much. Sounds legit to me, girl. (laughs) I am here for the crazy. Yeah, same. (laughs) I love how open you are. And um, I mean, this is the first time we've met is this weekend. I know. And it's so special to me to have connected with you on social media. I want to throw my phone out the window 99% of the time. But there's a 1% of the time where I am so grateful for people like you who use your voice and use your platform and truly out of the most genuine loving place in your heart and your body want to help other people and in your own healing journey being so selfless and showing up and giving a voice to people who feel incredibly helpless and lost and so sick and I am I just I want to thank you for making the effort to come out here to be a part of my event and for being so inspiring and just such a really really good human and I just I love that I've been able to be around you so thank you you are literally the sweetest person (laughs) ever I feel everything you just said right back to you you're so sweet and thank you for having me I'm like honored that I was able to be a part of this in the small way that I was and that just everything you've done is incredible thank you I feel like I feel like I've known you when we just met. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you I know? know? Yeah. It's and and just like you said, I feel like throwing my phone out <laughs> half the time. But the connections that we can make if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and put ourselves out there, say hi to someone, whatever, like this is what comes out of it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.